Imagine if 10 years ago you were approached by a time traveler and he was like, look, I don't have much time to explain. All I can tell you is that the year 2020 is going to be an absolute fucking shit show. You know Donald Trump? The star of The Apprentice? Well, he's the president of the United States. And at the beginning of 2020, he gets into a fucking thing called a Twitter spat with Iran that almost starts World War III. Australia catches on fire, and a crazy woman tries to save it by selling pictures of her tits. Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. Half the world is devastated by his death. The other half just makes dank-ass memes. Then some dumb fuck in China eats a raw bat and starts a global pandemic that specifically kills grandmas and grandpas. Everyone loses their fucking minds. 40% of the population thinks it's the end of the world. Another 40% thinks it's all fake. And 20% blames the whole thing on cell phone towers and pedophiles. The one thing everyone seems to agree on is that the only way to survive is by hoarding toilet paper. Grocery stores are ransacked and Charmin Ultrasoft essentially replaces the dollar as the official U.S. currency. Tom Brady is the Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback for fuck's sake. As hysteria grows, world governments are forced to shut the entire planet down by locking everyone in their fucking house. And then a picture of a jacked black dude with a massive horse cock ends up in 50% of the links you click on. The world is definitely fucked and coming to an end. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 63 of Bizarro World. Folks, it is hitting the fan. That was a text from a close friend of both Nick and myself. And um, that pretty much captures where we're at in the world. Nick, how are you, sir? First and foremost. I have to tell you off the top, I prefer Charmin Ultra Strong to Ultra Soft. <laughs> Well, you are not one of those Americans that um, couldn't put together $500 in times of an emergency, right? So you are able to go out and be your fancy self. Um, I'm not sure, actually, what toilet paper we have right now, but <laughs> cor correct, correct in that um, we certainly have an emergency fund established and we are fortunately able to get everything uh, that we need. Though we're certainly scared to click on any links for fear of a giant black cock appearing. <laughs> Let's talk markets. There's several tweets that I'm going to read um, later today in this show that I, I again, I think it's not just our friend. It's politicians, you know, whether whether it's John Kerry or the gentleman from Kentucky. Um, I, 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 I think people are starting to lose it a bit, but let's start with the markets, you know, uh, in the, in the morning, everybody knows we record on Friday, we publish on Monday, but in the morning time, you know, the Dow was rallying a little bit and we had a 500 point move up. And then we, we, we got news that, um, you know, both sides decided to sign the $2 trillion coronavirus and watch for this. It's being, it's being labeled the relief bill because we'll talk about it later. You're going to get a stimulus bill. This isn't that. This is the relief bill. Pay attention to the language, folks. But we got news that that was signed into law, headed to President Trump's desk. There's a press conference here soon where President Trump will sign it into law. And um, the market rewarded um, everybody and, and, and for their hard work by dropping nearly 1,000 points and closing down 4%. Gold closed right around the 1623 level. Silver still in the 14s at 1434. 
The U.S. dollar has pulled back, though we'll talk about why that is a head fake, in my opinion. Closed at 98.36. Oil closed at 21.58, but they're talking about oil in the single digits. There's a lot to take in. Um, COVID-19 update, we have nearly 600,000 cases worldwide, over 26,000 dead. New York City is now the epicenter of this. Um, where do you want to start, Nick? Should we start with the markets? Yeah, I think we we start with the the markets, which um, you saw the Wall Street Journal said this week that we were out of a bear market, right? Um, Unre- technically not. Unreal. Uh, 20% off the most recent high anymore. And then, like you said, um, the very next day after they printed that headline, the, the Dow is down uh, 1,000 points and the, the S&P is off uh, almost 100 points. And so uh, we're still in that area of high volatility, which I know is on the, the list to talk about. And that's sort of the lens through which I've been viewing this. You know, everyone's talking about, not everyone, but there's so many opinions, right, about uh, when is the bottom? Have we hit the bottom? Should we be pouring into airline stocks and cruise stocks? I've seen a lot of CNBC and Bloomberg headlines about work from home stocks, like they're the new FANG stocks, right? Like you can profit from the coronavirus group of five work at home stocks or whatever. Um, but honestly, it's still uh, too early to tell. There's a lot that's analogous to 2008 and even scarily 1929 in that you had significant updates in 1929, and you certainly had significant updates like we saw this week in 2000, the fall of 2008. And of course, we know the market didn't bottom and at bottom out until the spring of 2009. So you're seeing lower highs here on these bounces, which are just bear market traps. The economic data is going to be bad. Um, you know, 3.28 million was the, the jobless number mm. this week. Certainly, uh, probably higher than that. A lot of people don't qualify for unemployment that are that are tips based. Um, you're going to see many millions more next week. Um, I made a video today for Outsider Club. I made a joke about trickle down. Right, everybody says that trickle down doesn't work, but you're about to see a significant trickle down effect in that um, these people aren't going to be able to pay their mortgages. They're not going to be able to. Uh, pay their rents. They're not going to be able to take out new home loans because you can't prove income and you can't get a loan if you don't have a job. And so what does that do to the mortgage industry? What does that do to home builders? Trickle, 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 right? So uh, plenty else to talk about. I'll stop there. What do you got? Let's talk um, where the money is going. I think uh, roughly $300 billion will go towards the peasants, right? The citizenry, um, because that's how politicians view you from both sides. If you make under, you know, their, whatever they perceive as successful, which in this case they're defining as $99,000, then you can have your $1,200 check and you could just sit there and take it. Um, and, and let's carve out the rest of the $1.2 trillion and spread that around. So you can take that how you will, people. Um, that's not me saying that. I am basing my words on how the government, both Republicans and Democrats, are splitting up the pie. Um, I mean, let's break it down. $454 billion um, will go to the Treasury, which will allow the Fed, the Treasury will let the Fed go ahead and leverage up 10 to 1, and then they'll be able to loan out $4.5 trillion to quote-unquote small and medium-sized businesses. Why not just give it to the people if that was the intent of this bill? Am I missing something there, Nick? 
Oh, I thought that was rhetorical. No, <laughs> it is. Um, you, 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 you said it perfectly. Um, I saw a tweet this week. I'll try to dig it up and put a link to it. But the effect uh, it was something like this. Um, you know, the system is broken democracy, that is, because, um, you know, the will of the people isn't effectuated by their representatives anymore. And what what that tweet was saying was that we've allowed influence um, to be bought. And when you allow influence to be bought, um, then democracy is broken. But then it went further and it said, um, when the mechanisms to buy the influence are also broken, then the problem is then worsened, right? Because um, well, then it went into wealth, equi- wealth equality, right? And how obviously corporations and billionaires can buy all the influence. And so that's why the system is broken. And that's exactly what you're saying in that if the elected representatives of the people were truly representing, representing, representing the people, all that stimulus money would be directed at the people instead of um, at the corporations, which we now know have bought enough influence to be to to, to define themselves as people, right, through a Supreme Court uh, ruling, uh, and have all the dough to buy the influence, right? So uh, it's plain as day who uh, the officials or the representatives are representing. Representing, I don't know how else to say that. No, you said that well, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna. It, it, I went for a jog earlier and I'm sitting there half laughing at everything that's going on and half just appalled and, you, you, you know, concerned for people. But I, 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 during my jog, I'm sitting there thinking, I just saw a clip of AOC, right? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York City. And she is often, you know, pitched as the poster child for socialism by the right. And yet she is one of the few people up there arguing with both parties about the giveaways to corporations. The socialists are now arguing against the handouts. And at the very least, she's doing it for the right reasons. The reason being, she clearly understands that the money isn't going to the people. It's going to corporations. And and then the, the, the leverage that, you know, the, the Fed will be allowed, um, to use in this instance makes this, you know, not just a $2 trillion package. And let's talk about that. That $2 trillion, folks, I guarantee you that within three weeks, because three weeks is when the politicians have decided they'll come back from their vacation, by the way. That's right. They're taking a recess because, you know, it's not that serious, right? It's not a big deal. The corporations are getting their checks. They're getting their loans. It's going to be all right. So we're off for three weeks. What can happen in three weeks? Ah, that one really gets me. Um, Back to it. But the reason she's arguing, the reason AOC is up there arguing is because we just nationalized the financial system. Let's call it what it is. Jim Bianco labeled it that way earlier this week uh, of Bianco Research. He said, we just witnessed the nationalization of the financial markets. And I can't argue with that. Um, We're talking about $2 trillion. I'm telling you that in two or three weeks time, when the politicians come back, they're really going to start prepping you and warming you up for the stimulus. Because again, this is a relief bill, everybody. This is not going to be the stimulus package. This isn't the end of the bazooka um, that, that the U.S. government says it has. The Fed has, you know, come out and say it's unlimited. We'll buy everything in unlimited amounts. And, you know, to its credit, it stabilized the treasury market. I saw the 10-year close. I believe it closed below um, 0.70, which, you, you know, that's a good median if you saw the, the extreme downside it had earlier um, in the month and, and, and where it was just last month. I was writing an update for Junior Mining Monthly, um, the March issue, and I was looking back at last month's notes, and 
there I was writing about how the tenure had pulled back to 1.78%. That seems like decades ago to me. Um, and that's how fast everything is moving right now, everyone. The velocity of the moves in the market um, is absolutely breathtaking and absolutely requires clear, you know, clear concentration. And 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 you, everybody better get really serious about what they're doing and whatever sector they dabble in. For us, you know, for me specifically, it's the resource space. You, Nick, are are more sector agnostic. You tend to go where there's opportunities, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you also lean, you know, quite quite a bit on, on and and dabble quite a bit in the resource space, um, including putting your own capital up. And I know you wrote several checks recently. Um, for, for companies. And we'll also get into that. But, you know, I think that, um, the, the, the ratings agencies, I remember in 2008, 2009 did a shit job and 2007 prior to the last financial crisis of, of warning anyone. And to Fitch's credit, Fitch, Fitch's rating agency just said that the risk of a near-term negative rating action has increased as a result of this bill that just got passed. So at the very least, they're wanting to participate in some sort of meaningful dialogue this time around. That's a positive. Um, the treasury market stabilizing, that's a positive. Are banks here in the U.S. being much better capitalized? Um, that's a positive. Negatives, I think the next stimulus bill... I think the cruise lines are going to get some. I think the airlines are going to get some. Um, you know, there was a, a CEO and I, I want to say it was United, but let's just say of one of the big airlines. So I get it, you know, so I don't get it completely wrong, but he was on CNBC earlier this week um, saying that, you know, if he, if, he, if he doesn't get the terms that, that he wants from the Fed or from the U.S. government, he'll just go elsewhere. He's got other options. Mark Cuban, to his credit. Um, tweeted and retweeted and say, well, go fuck yourself. Why don't you go do that and leave more money in the, the, the pockets of the American people if, if, if you have all these options, right? And so I want to make it a point here over the coming weeks and months to really highlight the people that um, are doing a good job of calling out the bullshit, right? I think Mark Cuban is somebody that, A, he can be at home as comfortable as anyone on the planet. He's a multi-billionaire, um, beautiful family, beautiful place, the whole thing. He's out here calling bullshit on people. I love it. Um, there's several others, but it's, it's, it's that time where we're going to have to really pay attention to who's who. And the good news is everybody's going to show their stripes and the stripes that the politicians are showing are the ones that we knew they had. They don't care unless you can buy yourself a lobbyist and get in front of them. And it doesn't matter who you are. So for all you, you know, MAGA hat wearing dudes that are out there willing to kill for your president, Unless, unless, you know, you got some serious, serious cash in play, president doesn't care about you. And for all you softies on the left that, you know, you think getting Trump out of office is going to, you know, make all your dreams come true. Again, the left doesn't care about you. Pelosi doesn't care about you. Half the country doesn't even get pitched to for a vote unless it's election time. And even then, oftentimes when it's crunch time, like Hillary did in 2016, they skip three or four states that they just assume they have in the bag. That's where we're at in America, everybody. So everybody should get really serious about, about what it looks like, where it's headed. Um, there's, there's, there's opportunity on the other side of this, and we'll talk about that as well. But it, it's a serious time. And, and, and again, I think it's fourth turning time where we start looking at ideas and not people and voting that way. And, and I don't know how that change is going to come about, but um, it has to happen that way. That was a pretty good rant, Gerardo. I don't have much to add to that. Um, it's certainly a distorted picture of capitalism, which has that word 
um, capital right in it, right? And so as we talk about these um, coming bailouts and I think about the airlines and the cruise lines, I can't help but think about, um, well, junior mining companies that we have to write checks for and how they have to capitalize themselves um, by getting people to write checks. And if they can't, then what happens? They go bye-bye. Um, and I can't help but think that it should have to be that way for um, the bigger corporations among us. Certainly, why do they get to um, go to the the public handout when they um, don't have enough capital? And that's why we've got this sort of bastardized um, system right now that hasn't allowed um, the participants that take the bad bets and don't hedge appropriately to fail, um, to recapitalize, right? Um, and that's something that should be allowed to happen. To your point about um, concentrating on your specific sector, absolutely. The days um, in the past, definitely in the past week, have felt like years watching the S&P tick point by point to certain levels, right? And, and, and entering in shorts and then covering later in the day or, or selling later in the day, whatever you're doing. Um, the minutes have just dragged on, right? Watching, watching for those levels. So it's definitely been stressful. It's been um, high energy. And as it relates to uh, the individual sectors, there's a lot going on. I saw a list yesterday of over 100 uh, mining projects that had been impacted, 70 active mines that were shut down and 30 some um, development projects. And I'm sure there's more on the way. So, you know, while we think gold is going to do better um, and we think gold stocks are going to do better, we have to take into account that, um, you know, in a very real way, the um, earnings or the the sales of these companies are going to be impacted as they have to uh, shutter projects uh, Etc. And so, just so much to take into consideration. Uh, and you and I were talking before we started. Should we be, you know, having fun in a time like this? And it's for me, you know, that's the the, the little bit of fun part of this whole thing. It's certainly uh, tragic, and it's it's certainly been you know sad watching the disease spread and and people die. But you know, when you can um, help people make money, when you can highlight things that. Um, you think are wrong to the benefit uh, of a wider group. And when you can ultimately, um, you know, uh, protect and um, enhance your family through capital markets, then you have to feel good about that. And it's it's not bad to, to have fun while doing things like that. I found it interesting and somewhat ironic that Twitter delivered um, what's quite possibly uh, the most encapsulating moment this week for me anyway, on how party doesn't really matter when there's big money involved, right? There was a, a, a gentleman from Kentucky, Representative Thomas Massey, who was one of, well, not one of, <laughs> he was the only person that stood up um, in the Senate and said, uh, nah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rolling with this. This isn't going to work for me. I, I, I think there's too much pork here, and and whatever justification and 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 reservations he had about the bill, he wanted to put it on the record that it wasn't his cup of tea and he wasn't moving forward. Donald Trump immediately took to Twitter, and he and he tweets, "Looks like a third-rate grandstander named at Rep. Thomas Massey, a congressman from unfortunately a truly great state, Kentucky, wants to vote against the new Save Our Workers bill in Congress." He just wants the publicity. He can't stop it. 
only delay, which is both dangerous. So John Kerry, who is notoriously known as, or perceived, I should say, as 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 boring and out of touch and, you know, an intellectual and, and pretty reserved, he tweets, I thought it was a parody account, um, he tweets, breaking news, <laughs> Congressman Massey has tested positive for being an asshole. <laughs> He must be quarantined to prevent the spread of his massive stupidity. He's given new meaning to the term hashtag mass hole. <laughs> Finally, something the president and I can agree on. I mean, people, that is Donald Trump and John Kerry on a Twitter timeline or a Twitter thread. It just, if, if that doesn't tell you where we're at, I don't know what else will. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. It, it, but, but look what unites them. Let, let's make sure that, we put a fine point, point on it. Yes. A, a, a nice bookend on it. What unites Donald Trump and a former Democratic uh, presidential contender? Uh, two people that should, that should be, and, and most times are on opposite sides of the spectrum. When push comes to shove, the thing that unites those two people is giving billions of dollars to corporations. Absolutely. Making sure that when they see the lobbyists that have been in their office for the past couple of weeks, when they see those lobbyists three weeks from now, when they come back from vacation in the middle of a pandemic, when they come back from that vacation, that it's all smiles and elbow bumps, right? Because we don't do handshakes and uh, fist bumps anymore. That's where we're at, America. I don't care what your party is. The proof is in the pudding. No, that's exactly right. Um, and it's just a continuation of things that the virus is bringing to light. And hopefully uh, people see them clearly because it was only, I know it feels like months and months ago, but it was only a week ago when we learned um, that senators from both sides of the aisle were dumping stock to personally profit while downplaying the risk. And now here we are. America has more infections than China. Let's talk about that. Um, Donald Trump in his response, um, I, I think it was a week ago, he, he was praising um, General Motors for how many, um, you know, how many ventilators they were going to, able to, going to be able to deliver. Um, many, many, many people um, urged him to, to invoke the Defense Production Act, right? And he said- Weeks ago. Weeks ago. Weeks ago, and he said, "I don't have to. I'm in. We don't need it. We don't need it. I'm in communication." And now, you know, a nurse died this morning in New York. These are the people that we're asking go literally sacrifice their lives to treat the people that are sick. And 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 you have a governor of New York who's begging for equipment and begging for urgency. And it takes General Motors coming back. A company that was bailed out by taxpayers, the same taxpayers that are now dying, it takes them <laughs> the nerve. It, it takes the Defense Production Act for them to actually deliver on what they said they would deliver on. Because according to the president, um, General Motors came back and said, you know, we're only going to be able to deliver 6,000 of these ventilators. And by the way, we, we want top dollar. And that's what it took for Trump to invoke the, 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 the Defense Production Act. How far behind can we stay on this if we plan, according to the president, to revive the economy by Easter? What planet are these people living on? I don't know. The Easter comment is crazy, considering that the virus is still going to be um, 
spreading and obviously uh, infecting other people. And so cramming people into churches, it's obviously not a good idea. And it's just lip service, right? Because all this started when he met with the bankers. You remember last week he met with like um, Lloyd Blankfein and some other um, bankers, current and former bankers. It was like after that, that his tone changed. And it was like, that's when he started butting heads with Dr. Fauci. That's when Fauci skipped a few press conferences. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Fauci was like publicly butting heads with him saying, um, in fact, there was one uh, reporter that was asking about the the number of ventilators and the number of tests. And (laughs) Trump said the reporter was making stuff up. And then when Fauci got on the mic, he was like, look, I know you're not making stuff up, um, et cetera. And so publicly combating the president and the the president makes this pivot to talking about, uh, and we talked about this last week, Gerardo, how you know, squashing the disease can't also kill the economy and the cure for the disease can't be bad for the economy, uh, et cetera. And, and, and that's when he, he made that pivot. But make no mistake, um, you know, they've been behind since day one. I was writing about this in February, Gerardo, yep. how they started stopping the test in yep. uh, January. I went back and looked. I was sending out coronavirus special alerts uh, before Valentine's Day about the testing and things. And so you had Larry Kudlow. Do you remember when he said, uh, I'm going to say we got this contained? I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. That was 1,543 deaths ago in the U.S. Correct. Correct. I, I yeah, I, I'm at a loss for words at um, just the nastiness on behalf of General Motors. One, over-promising. Two, under-delivering. Three whining a fucking premium from the very people that bailed their asses out the last time, right? And then I'm at a loss for words about both sides of the aisle just completely caving in. Um, and, 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 you know, for people, take your fucking $1,200 in three weeks if we get around to getting it to you. And let's, well, that's the other thing, right? Yeah. How, how, how fast is this money going to come? But yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, that's next. That was my next question to you. How fast do you think it's actually going to come? The Cheesecake Factory said, you know, hey, you love our product? Great. We're not paying our rent. Take that. Remember I warned about the commercial paper aspect of this a couple of weeks ago and maybe a month ago. And I said, be careful out in the commercial space. If you're looking to use these low rates, you know, to lever up and go buy some commercial property, it's going to cascade and you're going to have a better opportunity six to 12 months down the line. Well, Cheesecake Factory is your first example. Neiman Marcus, a a Dallas staple of luxury, nonetheless, is, is, is exploring bankruptcy options. Again, ironic, right? Neiman Marcus, the place where... Oh, yeah. I think I said on this podcast last week that I I think I said Nordstrom could go bye-bye. Not Neiman Marcus, but, you know, same vein. Yep. Again, the place where if you walk in with a t-shirt and some sneakers, they look at you a little funny. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't last more than a couple of weeks. And now is exploring bankruptcy options. Everything was broken, everyone. The infrastructure, we said this last week, municipalities, the bond market, the fixed income market, the corporate bond market, it was all a charade. And what we're doing now as a country and and what central banks are doing around the world is now attempting to paper it up. And you know, this this last week, I've I've been able, luckily, to reach out to people and speak with people that that have seen multiple cycles. 
you know, um, I, we interviewed Rick Rule. We interviewed Jeff Phillips. We talked to Van Simmons. These are these are gentlemen that are that that are leaders in their space and are typically ahead of every curve when it comes to you know these these rapid changes. And all three of them say all of this is unprecedented. But all three of them also say it would not surprise them if central banks, at least here the Fed here in the U.S., are able to paper up you know th- th- this whole situation and cover it up with money. Uh, magic money that just appears by adding digits um, for a couple of years before we really see um, the repercussions of all this, which now looks like, you know, a trillion, not trillion, 25, 26, 27 trillion dollar balance sheets is what it looks like where this is headed for the U.S. Um, just, just Jerome's got the magic stick. If he can cut once, he can cut twice. Anyway, you know it. You know it. Let's talk about opportunities. Um one last comment, actually, before I get there, um, we talked about the VIX being in the 60s. Anybody that's a trader out there, whether you're watching the major indices or whatever whatever space you're watching, if you see the VIX in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, that's an implied move of anywhere between 4 to 6 to 7% um, in volatility in the, in, in the market. So if you're seeing the VIX that high and you're seeing that the Dow is up 500 points, Somebody is incredibly wrong, and I don't think it's a coincidence, and it's not obviously that the Dow, you know, lost the 500 points it was up and closed almost down almost a thousand points. But pay attention to the VIX. The VIX is kind of like you know they they say that you know copper, Doctor Copper has 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 a finger on the pulse of the economy globally. You can kind of tell where it's headed by by the, the copper price, the spot price, and you can see that if you look at a chart. The VIX is similar for, you know, if you're doing hourly trading or minute by minute trading, keep an eye there because it was telling everybody something today and and, then the pros in the market caught it. But I think a lot of people got caught flat footed. And it means that they can go in both directions, right? That doesn't mean it has to go down fast. It can go up fast. Did you see the close on Thursday night? I mean, I almost shit my pants, Gerardo. I was short on Thursday (laughs) afternoon and I covered like, I think with like two hours left to go. And then in like the last hour or 30 minutes of the market, the Dow added like a couple of hundred points. I mean, just steamed into the close, right? That's how earlier you talked about the velocity of the moves. But when the VIX is that high, you talked about implied six, seven percent moves. But that doesn't mean implied to the downside. It can also rip to the upside. So uh, like you said earlier, you really got to be in tune and you really got to be concentrating if you're trying to uh, trade intraday. Agreed. Um, I noticed that. The Outsider Club's resident marijuana cannabis expert, Mr. Jimmy Mangle, um, issued an alert, and I was reading through it. Um, and he's made, you know, it, it, it's it's been a tough year, obviously, for pot stocks, but he's had his finger on the pulse the whole time. He warned when it was when when it was starting to pull back that it would be a severe pullback. And I, you know, frankly, he got out ahead of this uh, latest trend where they're kind of roaring back, right? Can you speak to that a bit? I know that that you 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 keep. You keep on top of that sector a little bit more, a lot more, I should say, than I do. And I know Jimmy certainly does, but um, it seems like we had a pretty robust move in those those names this week. They were getting awful close to bottom. You and I were talking about that around uh, tax loss time and um, earlier in, in 2020, the start of 2020. And so they were very, very um, cheap to begin with. And then here in the past week, I think um, you've seen... Um, one, they've been deemed essential, right? Um, and so they've been allowed, the stores have been allowed to remain open while a, a lot of others um, have been forced to close. Uh, another thing is that 
Um, you've seen sales ramp up. There's been Bloomberg stories about, you know, people waiting in line before stores open up, um, et cetera. And so uh, while, you know, restaurants and, and consumer uh, cyclicals, et cetera, are going to take a massive hit um, and you're, you're staring at, a, at a, a real economic recession and you're staring at an earnings recession when um, you got people lined up outside a store, that's a pretty decent indicator that um, that's a sector where you might want to go, right? Like buying generators during a hurricane or something like that, right? And so definitely we've seen them catch a bid. Gosh, what did I see yesterday? Tilray was up like, I think it, it was up like more than 50% yesterday in one day. That's not one of the the small, tiny little weed companies. I mean, that's one of the ones on the big board, right? Yeah, I think it was up 75% this week. Crazy. <laughs> Insane. Let's talk uranium. Um, we finally got a catalyst, not the one we've all been expecting, which is some clarity from the Nuclear Fuel Working Group, which apparently has forgot that it was supposed to deliver recommendations in a report, <laughs> I think, what, a month and a half ago or something along those lines? Um, but anyhow, we're seeing major, major mines now um, closing down and taking, you know, potentially double-digit production off the market. And, you know, initially they said that was Cigar Lake, I believe, right, that closed down, they announced for four yeah. weeks. I know the, the 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 smarter voices in 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 the space, the the Jordan Trimbles, the Amir Adnani's of the world, believe that it could be you know more than four weeks. It could be eight weeks or more, just depending on this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. And so we've seen the spot price finally finally react. And I know for 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 those <laughs> of you that are that are really into you know the, the 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 price in the uranium space and our experts in it i know there's a lot more to the the space than the spot price but it's a, it's a, it's an easy indicator to follow and explain but the spot price you know after being stuck at 24 for apparently eternity finally pushed above 27 today and it appears that you know the the bigger companies that are going to have to step into the, that market and buy um are, are it's finally having an effect and we had a little bit of a reaction in some of the uranium names they pulled back today with everything else for the most part but that was encouraging. Thoughts there, Nick? I talked to both of those gentlemen that you mentioned this week to get their thoughts. Um, I, I probably have a lot to say in the uranium space. I've been following it pretty closely for a long time and have even turned, um, I won't say bearish on it, but I've been willing to sell uh, some positions lately to wait until we had a bottom. Luckily, I did. Gosh, what did Fission go down to like 10 cents or something this week? 11 cents before <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still holding uh, it. <laughs> finally turned around. That's crazy levels, right? I mean, I, I didn't sell all of mine either, so I'm not gloating or bragging, Gerardo. I still hold some Fission. That but, was a good um, call, though. I did sell in the letter and I did lighten up my load a little bit. But um, here's where we were. I mean, Chemico was already having to go into the market to buy uh, 20 million pounds into the spot market to fulfill their contracts. Um, and people were talking about that for a while. Like, will they be able to get uh, as much as they need? Will Cameco being in the spot market be a catalyst, et cetera? Really hasn't turned out to be all that much. But now, and that was when just uh, MacArthur was shut down. But now they've gone and shut down Cigar Lake, which is another 10 million pounds. So yep. uh, Cameco is now in the spot market for 30 million pounds. Um, we know that the um, the market's already thin, right? Uh, I won't rehash all the, the common uranium talking points, but um, now we're talking about more supply potentially coming offline. There was a rumor saying the Kazakhs might take some supply offline. Who knows if, if that is true? Um, 
But to, to what you were saying uh, about Cameco keeping Cigar Lake off, it would be um, a lovely excuse for them to keep a large mine shut down, thereby taking supply um, offline and putting pressure on utilities to come back into that spot market because they think the utilities think they're going to be vying against um, Cameco to have to uh, buy uranium, right? And so that's sort of where it is. Now, separate from that, um, uh, we also had the government this week come out and say um, this this COVID virus is exposing our reliance on um, nations like China for things like uranium and sort of using it to highlight the ongoing uh, Section 232 thing and the and the announcement that we've been waiting for for ever now. So it's still on their minds. Um, all that to say, you know, I'm not rushing out and buying uranium stocks hand over fist here. But um, like the virus is doing with um, gold and gold mines, it is also proving to be uh, a catalyst in the uranium market that no one saw coming uh, to the upside. Let's talk about those dislocations in the gold space. We haven't even touched on that. Um uh, the, the reason I reached out to Van Simmons earlier this week was because if anybody uh, is 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 at the forefront of, you know, physical gold and bars and coins and sourcing them, uh, I don't know that there's anyone in the world that's better connected than Van Simmons. And so, of course, my initial reaction when I saw the difference between, you know, the spot price and the futures contract for April was some $100 and I saw the bid ask on Kitco the spread there was like 10 bucks. And then I see hundred, $120 moves back and forth. I said, what in the world is going on? So of course I reached out to Van who pretty much confirmed, you know, what, what several others have since confirmed. And, and that that's basically that look, the fact that a lot of the gold that was shipped back and forth to satisfy demand can't be shipped the way it was before for obvious reasons. And that's putting pressure at a time where refiners are shutting down. Um, demand is increasing. And again, you said it earlier this week, a friend and mentor of ours said it, and a couple of other people have said it. If this isn't the perfect storm for gold, gold bugs, if this doesn't do it in the next year or so, I, I think gold bugs and, and myself and a lot, and I don't consider myself a gold bug, but we all are going to have to re, 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 revisit the reasons why we speculate and invest in gold and the gold space. With that being said, I absolutely believe um, that we're on the way to 1800 soon. Um, and we'll close the year, you know, anywhere between 1800 and $2,100. That's some crystal ball stuff. If we just stay here at the $1,600 level forever, we're going to do very, very well once we get some clarity and direction um, on this COVID-19 pandemic, which, which again, unfortunately, we're going to have several more weeks and months of bad news across the board. But um, any thoughts on the dislocations in the gold market, Nick? I know it's a space you watch closely as well. You were seeing the same things. Obviously, you have access to a lot of the same people that I speak with and vice versa. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, if gold doesn't um, do it here, it means that MMT won and we're all rich and got a free uh, pony and puppy from the government anyway. So it's sort of win-win, right? Either our gold stocks go up a thousand percent or we're all uh, government millionaires. Agreed. And so that, that <laughs> that's my thoughts on that. It's sort of like a battle royale, right? 
Um, I know you didn't watch Game of Thrones all that much, but I feel like it's the last season of Game of Thrones where everybody's holed up in the castle just waiting for the White Walkers to come, right? That's sort of like how I feel now. Like um, it's, it's just like a showdown in, in capitalism and free markets and, and democracy. It's like the definition of a turning, the definition um, of a crisis. And like you, um, I, I firmly believe that you know, I don't think, you know, we go back to a gold standard and, you know, gold goes to fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, but I do firmly believe that gold comes out of this much higher um, and gold stocks have the run that gold stocks are known for in times like this. As far as the disconnect, I mean, people want gold in times like this. You go to Atmex um, or go to any other one of these sites and you can't get a, you can't get a delivery now. It's last time I checked, it was several days um, at the earliest, and they were offering to alert you when certain uh, products became available. Um, I tried to articulate <laughs> yesterday in the early advantage letter um, just how high up Van Simmons is in the world because, like, it's not coming from me, it's not coming from you. Like, this is the gentleman that co founded uh, Professional Coin Grading Service. Like, when you get a little coin in a hard plastic case or in a packet, and it's got that, you know. Uh, PCGS at the top with a, uh, the the grade, right? MS6970, whatever it is. Like that is Van Simmons' company. That is Van Simmons' standard. He co-created that grading standard and that in that company. So to hear someone like that saying, I can't get as much gold as I want at the prices I want is something uh, profound and something that you have to recognize and just um, speaks to the real safe haven nature um, of gold in times like these. And I, I think you'll see that um, that fervor and that franticness play out in the paper markets as well. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the interview I did with Van will be going out to Junior Mining monthly subscribers first, but I will make a copy available once and after um, they get it. It was insightful as always, as it always is when we speak with Van. Um, let's talk about some another... Um, tweet and actually this wasn't a tweet it was a post on facebook that made me smile from the mayor of boone county in kentucky mr gabe uh. brown this was just epic and this was in response to um you know the citizenry not listening about social distancing and, and, and being responsible so i'm gonna read the whole thing because much like the text that our friend sent us yesterday that i read to start this podcast this episode um this also made my heart smile um much like, and, and, and well, the Harvey Weinstein getting coronavirus made my heart smile. The fact that that fucker was able to get tested while nurses and doctors can't upsets me and pisses me off. That's a whole different thing. We'll talk about that a separate time. Um, but anyhow, here's Mayor Gabe Brown's post on the Boone County Neighborhood Group. Listen up, dipshits and sensible people. <laughs> I might not have the best bedside manner. I might not put you at ease like the governor does but I don't care. You need to realize that this is a serious ordeal. In fact, it is a big fucking deal. Stay at home. I don't give you, I didn't give you information to induce panic. I gave you information so that you'd be informed. Maybe, just maybe, I am privy to information that you aren't. I'm sorry for being the gossiping mayor. I'm tired of COVID-19 conference calls. I take three a day, plus one extra on the weekend with Kenton County. If you don't like what I'm telling you, then go buy some toilet paper. 
I pray every night that the state, county, and region that I love with all of my heart will stop doing nonsensical things. Treat this seriously. If you don't, then screw you. Fuck you is what I want to say, but I can't. <laughs> I love that part. Because <laughs> he just said it. He just said it. <laughs> it's like uh, the Ricky Gervais comedy special from a couple years ago where he says, I, I would never say that, you know, because this, this, and that. Anyway, um, he continues. He goes on. This will pass. Take it seriously. It is here. Act like you have the virus and don't spread it to other people. I have no doubt that it hasn't already been here, but testing has been limited. More cases are coming. If you ignore this problem, the worst thing that could happen is that your mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles could die. Be responsible. If you don't, then screw you. Warmest regards, Mayor Gabe Brown. (laughs) Round of applause for that gentleman, because sometimes... In the words of Malcolm X, sometimes you got to speak the language of the people that are talking to you in a different language. And that's the only way you can come to an understanding at times. And at times like this, I think it's a perfect time to speak people's language. And he felt that's what was appropriate, right? Got his point across. Got his point across is correct. It's everywhere. Um, do you have a positive, happy story for me this week other than Harvey Weinstein getting um, coronavirus, which is great? Um, I, I I hope he recovers because I, I, I don't believe that the few days he's been in Rikers Island is sufficient. I, I hope he gets better and lives out the rest of his miserable life behind a prison, in a prison cell and behind prison bars. Um, I, 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 I just marvel at the fact that he was able to get tested. Any, any thoughts on that? Doctors oh, and nurses well. can get tested. Karma is um, karma. We see that um, Prince Charles now has it. No word on Prince Andrew. Uh, Prince Andrew, Andrew, though I've seen some really good um, Epstein uh, and Ghislaine Maxwell uh, jokes as a result. But no, come on. Why is the guy getting a test? He's in prison. Is anybody else in prison getting a test? He's still rich. He's just in prison. That's why he got a test, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, positive stories you asked for. I got millions of positive uh, stories. Gerardo. I, I just you know shut why? up and listen because, to you, Nick. I want to smile. Because millions of people are doing all kinds of stuff to, to um, help healthcare workers and, and help spread, a, help stop the spread of the virus. Whether that's, um, you know, all the distillers I've seen that um, have stopped making alcohol and are using their, raw materials to crank out uh, sanitizer. The one here in, in Spokane is called dry fly distilling, and they are currently cranking out Spokanitizer instead of vodka <laughs> and bourbon. There are seamstresses all over the country that are no longer hemming pants and skirts, but are in fact sewing face masks to send to um, healthcare workers. There are people scouring their attics and basements to send in what um, personal protective equipment they might have squirreled away. And um, there are small businesses retooling their 3D printers and other uh, production equipment to make parts and pieces that are necessary for uh, critical hospital equipment. And so these are the positive stories that I see and that we're going to continue to see and that are a part of the fourth turning and that are a part of a new generation stepping up to say, okay, Boomer, you're fucking done. We're not going back to Easter uh, church with millions of people like shut up we're taking over now you're seeing it in real time enjoy it agreed agreed let's um let, let let's end this with 
some companies I know I know I've been buying. I last week I mentioned Midas Gold. I've added to my Magna Gold position um because someone in the market continues to sell me cheap shares every now and then. So I just have a bid in there and I'll I'll buy what you give me, people. Um it's halted on the Canadian side. It's trading over the counter. I know you sent an alert out to your subscribers, Nick, I believe for early advantage, asking them to take advantage of that. I thought that was wise. Um, it's advice that I'm following, but I know that you've written some checks recently. Uh, you care to share? Sure. Uh, I wrote a check into um, Almaden, which uh, did a financing below 40 cents to sort of get over this hump. Um, you give them a bit of cash. So um, they don't have to be concerned or worried as this lawsuit wraps itself up and they can get back to the uh, permitting process. That's 4 million ounces of, of gold and silver in Mexico, one that we talk about all the time. Uh, so wrote a check into that private placement. Magna Gold is um, also raising money in conjunction with their acquisition of the San Francisco mine, uh, also in Mexico. And, and so... Gosh, look, what did that, what did it go to in US? I just paid less than that in, in Canadian uh, while the stock is halted. That was sort of a no brainer. Uh, so those are two placements that I participated in. I bought a tiny bit more Chicana. I bought a tiny bit more uh, Midas Gold. If you really want to know everything I'm buying, um, I bought a tiny bit of Altria, mm. um, which, make, which makes uh, dividends and, and tobacco. Yeah, they're yielding over 9% right now. So I made a list and call me stupid, but. Um, I made a list of um, dividend stocks I wanted to buy that also um, have a have a place in my life. So if you don't know, I chew tobacco and Altria owns uh, Copenhagen. So um, that was not the only reason, of course, I did fundamental analysis and diligence. I didn't just buy it because I chewed it. But, um, <laughs> but I want to buy these stocks um, that are also in my life. So I'm making a list, right? Like Disney, obviously, I got young girls. Um, there's a company called Granger that's a really high quality company, almost like a tractor supply, but a direct ship, farm parts, industrial supplies, hmm. a really sound company. I've been looking at Granger, um, Hershey's Chocolate. I love me some chocolate. Uh, Hershey's is a dividend stalwart company. Um, just I haven't bought all those. The only one I bought is Altria, but names I'm starting to look at and why. Well, there you go, everybody. That's a lot of due diligence for you. Um, some names that you can look into and, and, and decide whether um, these are names that, that make sense for your risk profile and, and, and for your situation. Um, anything else that you want to add, Nick? I could continue on forever on how bizarre a world the world is right now, but I, I will leave it there for the time being. I think this was um, a, a great conversation that, that pretty much captures the state of the world Pretty well, I'd like to think. Yeah, and I'm not going to fuck that up, so I'll shut up. I like it. Listen, everybody, if uh, if you're not helping, um, you should help. If you can't help and need help, you should ask for help. Um, those of us that are in a position to do some good, whether it's physically or economically um, or, or, or just emotionally supporting someone that's going through a hard time, I encourage all of you and all of us that are in a position to do so to please, please do so. Um, it's, it's going to get worse for a little bit, everybody. And, and it's going to be important that, that we help each other out. And, and again, I agree with Nick. I think at the end of this, we all come out with a better sense of community with a lot of good solutions because the people in charge right now, um, are, are, are washing themselves out a little bit at a time, but you all be safe, take care of each other, have a great week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed, um, this episode. It was episode 63 of Bizarro World. I'm Gerardo Del Real, Mr. Hodge, send us away. See ya.